Thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for just a sweet time of worship and to just feel your presence and your spirit tonight. It's just so refreshing to me. And I pray now that you would continue to renew us and refresh us in your word, that we would learn tonight, God, in our study, and that we would grow. And so help us in our understanding and our thinking. Help us to hear your spirit speak a word to us, and I pray that our heart would be open to you even more tonight. So bless your word. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was thinking about how there's these weird superstitions all over the world. Like in Japan, did you know whistling at night, you're not supposed to whistle at night because they'll call snakes into your room. (laughs) Or like in Spain, they actually have Tuesday the 13th, like we have Friday the 13th. Theirs is Tuesday the 13th as like that bad luck kind of day. In China, their bad luck number is actually the number four. And Japan is number nine. And Afghanistan is number 39. So... Kind of some interesting trivia there. Or in Canada, there's some weird superstitions. Like when you move into a new place in order to eliminate any evil spirits that maybe have been left there, you're supposed to carry in burning sage into every room to scare the spirits away. I guess it reminds me of here in Hawaii, traditions talk about the tea leaves, right? If you wave the tea leaves or you have tea leaves around your house, it'll ward off evil spirits and protect your house from the evil spirits. I always wondered about the tea leaves, kind of like, uh, is it like kryptonite, you know, to Satan? Like, you know, the, 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 the demons see the tea leaves say, oh no, it's a tea leaf, run away, run away, run away. No. Anyway, tonight, as we continue in our study in the book of Luke, Jesus is actually accused with some wrong ideas about himself, actually. And we're going to see how he deals uh, with this. And really, he's accused of of really being in in, uh, cahoots with Satan. And and he's like an evil spirit in in himself, sort of. But Jesus clears up any of those, those superstitious ideas. He clears up the spiritual misconceptions. And that's our title, Spiritual Misconceptions. We're going to be studying Luke 11 from verse 14 through 28 tonight. We're going to take our next section. We had a great study last week. If you missed it, you can catch it on our YouTube channel or podcast. Uh, it was Jesus on prayer. He talked about prayer. And if you want to like uh, refresh or boost your prayer life, I, I, I really encourage you guys to get and to listen to that study again. You can catch it on a website too. But now as we go on, Jesus deals with spiritual misconceptions and it, it just kind of brings up all this to me, all these superstitions and things. Uh, we're going to see, number one, the confusion. Number two, the clarification. And number three, the considerations. So first of all, the confusion in our outline in these spiritual misconceptions, the confusion. Here we're going to be covering verse 14 through 16 in this section, but let's first begin with our first verse for tonight, verse 14. Luke 11, verse 14, it says, Now he was casting out a demon that was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute then spoke, and the people marveled. So we'll stop here. Here's the setting here. Here's what's going on. This is what's happening. So 
now at this moment, uh, Luke is continuing right after his teaching on prayer. Uh, he goes on to tell this account what happened. Jesus was casting out a demon of uh, you know out of this possessed man, and basically this man was mute. He made him so he couldn't speak. But when the man was healed and a demon was cast out, then he spoke. And so everyone here, it says at the end of verse uh, 14, everyone marveled. So I'm sure the crowds are around him. He's been teaching, you know, and he's, he's, he's been there and, and perhaps even, even doing physical healing. But here this, this demon-possessed man comes and he's healed and he can speak and that's the evidence that he, the demon had been cast out. Now, uh, everyone's amazed because this is the power of Jesus here. Now, we've read other accounts of Jesus casting out demons. So um, in this instance, it, it just seems like maybe this crowd, uh, they, they didn't experience that, or maybe they've only experienced one, but here they see it again, and they're, they're just totally amazed of this because the crowd, they've seen the power of Jesus in the physical healing, you know, say like sickness or maybe even opening the eyes of the blind and all of that. But this was like over the top. That's why they're super amazed here. They marvel. The word is just talking about really, literally, they're like out of their mind. They're just shocked. They're like, whoa, and, and all like that. And so they've seen the power of Jesus in the physical healing, but this was over the top. Jesus had power over the demons, over demonic possession. So this gets into that realm, the spiritual realm, right? That that other dimension. And so here, they're just even blown away at the power of Jesus with this. Now, when Jesus arrived on the earth and launched out into his ministry, you know, when he was 30 years old, think about it this way now. Think about what was going on in in the world, in the land of Israel. Satan had been attacking people, oppressing people, demons been possessing people. I mean, the enemy was having his heyday, basically. The enemy was having his victory, oppressing a lot of people. So it, there was a lot of stuff like this going on. So you can understand and the people seen, whoa, Jesus, this, this, this man right in front of us, he, he just casts his demon out. He just speaks. So they're totally amazed at this. Now, of course, the religious leaders or the Pharisees, they, they did have their exorcisms that they would do, um, you know, in trying to uh, re release people of the demons and help demon-possessed people. But um, it, it's like, jo I think it was Josephus talks about how it was all that they did was based on like, they would read scripture and all that, but it was based on strange uh, and weird incantations and, and even bringing like cultic kind of ingredients. Um, they would do some different things like that. I was even reading that, you know, other than certain prayers, they burned special herbs or they would even dunk the possessed person in water to try and deliver them. But you can imagine these little, you know, rituals or little things that they tried to do didn't really work. Well, most of the time or never, or nothing, you know, basically nothing would happen here. You know, just um, the other night, or maybe it was last night, my wife and I were watching The Chosen. I don't know if you guys started to watch that, but we, we, we just started, so we're at the first season and everything. But there was a scene where Nicodemus, they kind of connect 
characters, but they connected Nicodemus with Mary Magdalene. And Nicodemus tried to cast out the seven demons that's in Mary Magdala. And, and he couldn't do it. Matter of fact, he did. He went through his little ritual and used his little herbs and stuff that he called for. Well, the demon spoke out to um, him through Mary Magdalene saying, I'm not afraid of you or something like that. You know, real creepy kind of thing. But but seeing that and, and doing this study tonight just, just gave me that picture and an idea of what was going on back then in this spiritual realm with with demons, with Satan having a heyday and how the people were just under all of this and they were helpless yeah, with all this spiritual stuff going on, this evil and demons and stuff going on. So that gives you an idea of what it was like back then. Then picture to see Jesus now, easily now, yeah, simply, probably just speaking and, and commanding the demon to come out of this man. Well, that was over the top, yeah. So these, everyone's just marveled at this. They're, this is amazing. They're just shocked in all this. So this was so amazing that they're trying to make sense of it. And, and this is what I'm leading up to in this passage. They're trying to figure out, okay, well, here's a guy, you know, here's, here's a rabbi, a teacher, yeah, looks like, wow, he never, we've never seen a rabbi teach like this. He has some sort of power, you know, healing the sick and different things like that. But getting into the spiritual realm, oh, they're, I'm sure they're trying to figure Jesus out here. And so there's, there's, there's a lot of confusion. And who is this guy? Who's, who is this Jesus? Wow, he has this power over demons and and so what do we do when we don't understand something? We kind of reach for things that, well, we, well, we've kind of come to believe, right? And here in this world right now, there was a lot of superstition going around. So they reach into, well, we reach for their superstitious beliefs. And the first thing that comes up is, well, I, I don't understand it, but you know, it must be, and this is number one here, I'm going to give you a few things. Number one, Jesus did this by the power of Satan. That's what they're thinking. They think, oh, Jesus did this by the power of Satan. And that's what we find in verse 15. But some of them said he cast out demons by Beelzebub, the prince of demons. So some in the crowd said that, well, Jesus cast out the demons by Beelzebub. It's another word for Satan that the Jews would use. And that was just an, another name for Satan. Originally, Baal was the prince or chief god of the Philistines. That's who this guy was. But through the years, it kind of turned into Beelzebub. And, and literally, the word is Lord of the Flies. But it turned into, uh, this is Satan. So basically, they're saying, oh, you know what? Jesus did this by the power of Satan. Now, it could be that some of the Pharisees in the crowd were saying that. And that's what we find in Matthew 12. There's other accounts, uh, similar accounts of this, I should say, in the Gospels and like in Mark or Matthew 12 and, and, and Jesus being accused of casting out demons or the power of Beelzebub or the power of Satan there. Um, it could be that this account in Luke, I believe, is a different account of this and this coming up again. So to me, it's kind of like the crowd... Uh, either heard that rumor that the Pharisees started and they're thinking that, so in their super, super superstitious belief, um, 
<laughs> and sometimes it is stupid, but um, uh, um, but but you know th- they kind of grab that. So I'm I'm reading here in Luke that some of them it could have been some of the Pharisees in the crowd, or it could have been some of the crowd thinking, oh, you know, that's like what the Pharisees said. So so here's this thought that well, uh, G- Jesus, well, uh, oh, he he must have done this by the power of Satan. I mean, this is just a guy. Maybe he's in league with Satan to be able to do this. And so it seems like this was going around and people were just trying to make sense of what was going on, explain things through their superstition about Jesus. You know, the Pharisees even went as far as saying in John eight forty eight, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? So they even went as far as saying, you're a Samaritan, you know, accusing him of that, you know, being racial there. And then accusing him of having, being demon possessed himself. So not just the power of Satan, but you have a demon. That, I mean, these Pharisees were going crazy trying to bring him down, right? So I'm sure they're like whispering. I'm sure they're putting that out, and more people are thinking this way. And these people are super, 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 superstitious anyway. I don't know why it's coming out that way. So we see the people, they think Jesus did this by the power of Satan. But And number two, Jesus didn't fit this, the superstitious thinking. Now, l- l- look at this in verse 16. It says here, While others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. So let me explain this. Now, others needed basically more proof. So they were testing him. They, they said, you know what, Jesus, we, we need to see more. We need to see something specific here to really think that you're, you're of God. And so... There's this Jewish superstition, which was that demons can only do things down on earth. But God, anyone godly, can do miracles in in heaven or or up in the sky or the universe. So they're like, hey, Jesus, you know, prove to us. They want to test him. You know, give us a sign in the heavens. Move the sun, you know. Move a cloud over with your hand. I don't know. Make it rain all of a sudden. Or bring the clouds over, make it dark all, uh, all of a sudden, you know. And then, and, and if you do that, hey, we'll we'll believe, you know, that you're with God. If not, you must be with Satan. Then it must be true what's going around. So they had that superstition about that. So they said that to Jesus in in order to test them. To they wanted Jesus to prove uh, that. He, he was God. And so they wanted Jesus really to fit into their box of their, their kind of superstitious belief. Well, if you fit in our box and what we've kind of come to put together, then okay, then, then you're God. Isn't that sad though? All the healings he's been doing, the preaching of the Word of God, that, that you know, I can imagine you don't just hear, but you felt with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. All the miracles that were going on were not enough to break through their weird beliefs and, and, and kind of belief structure and superstitions that they had. And it's really sad. But we do that. People in the world do that. I was reading about in a remote village of Ethiopia, uh, tribal leaders declared a healthy baby boy, uh, quote-unquote, mingi, which is a defect because his top teeth came in before his bottom teeth. So 
they have this superstitious belief that if, if the top teeth come in before the bottom teeth, it proved the baby would call evil spirits into their village with every breath the baby took. That was their superstition. So they took this baby, they dug up, dug up his twin corpse, which they didn't like that, that. He had a twin that died. They didn't like that either. Tied them together, paddled their canoe out onto the Omo River, and cast them in the water to drown the living baby because of their superstition. Sad. It's so sad. But you know what? God sent a small group of Christians uh, from a nearby tribe, and they've been rescuing these Mingi children and trying to change the superstitious beliefs of this tribe coming in with the Word of God and the truth. And so it's crazy how we can believe in things or put things together or have some superstitions be passed down or read something or hear something. We, we start kind of putting that into our figuring of things. It shouldn't be, right? It should be what is according to the truth or what we believe here in the Word of God. Because we know this is God's Word. We know there is some absolute truth there, right? I mean, there's a lot of religions, there's a lot of superstition out there. I mean, if you mix it all together, what is true? You know? There has to be some absolute truth. And we've come to find out and we've experienced that the truth is in the Word of God. So if you follow your superstitious thinking, it can only lead to false conclusions and tragic consequences. And that, that's the, the story I just told you about, right? Um, but we cannot just go off in these things. we got to compare it to the Word of God. So we need to always come back to that. Well, Spiritual misconceptions, all this was. This was the confusion. Well, let's go to number two, the clarification. The clarification. Now, we're going to cover verse 17 through 20 here, but first 17 and 18. It says here, But he, that's Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a divided household falls. And if Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Beelzebub. Now, Jesus knew their thoughts. He's God and the Holy Spirit uh, revealed that to him. Uh, I'm sure there's some whispers going around included in this. So, so he answers their question. Now, this week, what we're looking at today is the answer to the first issue that he cast out the demon by the power of Satan, what they are thinking. Next week, he's going to answer the, the other question or give us a sign. We're going, to, we're going to go over that next time in the next section. But first of all, Jesus gives this clarification. And here's the first thing he presents. There's three things we're going to see here. Number one, your thinking is illogical. doesn't make sense. Your thinking is illogical. He basically says, look, how can Satan go against himself, Right? How can he cast out his demons, come and pull his demons out when that's exactly what he wants them to do? How can he go against them? And, and Jesus is saying, you guys know any kingdom divided against itself, it's not going to last, right? Or a house divided, it's going to fall. It, it, that, it just doesn't 
make sense that Satan would fight against himself. There's no way that Satan would come against his own soldiers and destroy his own plans, right? It's going against Satan's strategy, his plans, and what he's trying to do. So there's, there's no way. So Jesus is saying, okay, you guys, first of all, your thinking's illogical. It doesn't make sense. If, if, I'm, if, if I'm doing this by the power of Satan, I'm, I'm going against you know, the demons, his own army, He's having me do that. That doesn't make sense, you know, because you got to work together in order to accomplish something. Amos 3.3 says, Do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet. So your thinking is illogical. Number two, he covers something else. He, cl- with this, he clarifies something else. Your thinking is inconsistent. Your thinking is inconsistent. Now look at verse 19. And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. So he's like, let's say I do cast out the demons by Satan's power. Well, how about your sons? In other words, how about your, your own Jews, your fellow Jews? You know, they do exorcisms. Does that mean they cast out demons by Satan's power? Right? If you're saying that I do that, well, how about these guys? If you're saying I do it, I'm doing the same act, I'm, or I'm, you know, doing the, the same thing. Aren't you guys? Aren't you your your fellow brothers? You know, your sons, uh, Jewish, you know, sons doing the same thing. Aren't aren't they work? Then that means they're working for Satan too. Of course not. Right? Your thinking is inconsistent. If you're saying one thing and then it's another thing with me, that's inconsistent. And then he says, then let your own exorcists, your own Jewish guys, be your judges against your thinking that I cast out demons by the power of Satan. So if, if, if you really hold to that inconsistent belief, then Jesus is basically saying you're inconsistent. If you really hold to it, you're holding to this double standard. Like, oh, it's true for them, but it's not true for you, you know, kind of thing. It's a double standard here. Uh, a medieval monk and priest, Thomas uh, A. Kempis, wrote this once. We desire to have others perfect, and yet we do not correct our own faults. We would allow others to be severely corrected and will not be corrected ourselves. And then he went on to say this. So it appears that we seldom weigh our neighbor in the same balance with ourselves. I like that. That's that's that double standard, yeah? Yeah, we will get on someone else's cases, yet that issue we don't we don't we don't really deal with it in our own lives. That's a double standard. There's one standard for the other person and there's another standard for yourself. The other the standard for the other person, hey, you're you're bad, you're this, you should do that. But for you, you're okay in the same things. That's a double standard. So that's what these guys are doing. They have a double standard. They, they see the Pharisees, they see their own Jews doing, being, doing the exorcisms, and, oh, that's okay. They're, you know, they're doing it by God's power. But then Jesus does it? Oh, no, that's, that's by the power of Satan. You're inconsistent in your thinking. Number three, your thinking must be corrected. And, and I like this. Your thinking must be corrected. Look at verse 20. But if it is by the finger of God, 
that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Don't you love that? First, it's like, hey, it doesn't make sense what you're saying. It's illogical if you really think about it. And you're being inconsistent with me, but let's then look at this. Let's look at this. Jesus basically brings out this punchline, and since all of that stuff doesn't make sense, so the conclusion must be, then this must be the finger of God. Must, it got to be, right? That this man who now speaks proves his, the demon was taken out. He, the demon made him mute. It must be the finger of God. Now, that phrase, they would understand what that means. They would use that phrase. It really comes from Exodus 8.19. When the Egyptian magicians... Uh, told Pharaoh that the plagues, the first four or five plagues, you know, that uh, <laughs> Moses performed and then they couldn't do anymore. They could do so much and mimic. But then when they couldn't anymore, you know what they told Pharaoh? They said, Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. In other words, this is from God. God is working this. So that phrase, the finger of God, they would use that to say, this is God working. So Jesus uses the same phrase and said, what's the conclusion here? Right? It's illogical what you're, what you're saying. You're, you, you shouldn't use this double standard. So, so what, what is it? You're thinking got to be corrected that, you know what? This is God powerfully working here. And that means the kingdom of God is here right now. The kingdom of God has come. Without a doubt, it's clear that Jesus now works by the power of God and not... Satan. Yeah. Super clear, right? I mean, it just makes sense as, as he, he's unfolding this. Now, understandably, the people held to many superstitions because, you know what? They weren't clearly taught the Word of God. They weren't. Yes, the Pharisees, were, you know, they, they went over scriptures in synagogue, but remember how they were mixing in the traditions. They were mixing in their own you know, uh, uh, rituals and, and legalism upon the people. So uh, it just clouded everything for the people. So it was easy to reach for certain superstitions. So, so these superstitions filled in many of the gaps in their thinking of the people. So that's why there were spiritual misconceptions going on. And it was easy for them to hear a little rumor from the Pharisees or, you know, grab onto something to try and explain something that they didn't understand like Jesus here. And on top of it all, think about this, right? As I mentioned, Jesus had the run of the place. The truth wasn't clearly being taught. And so it was easy for him to put out these false think thinking, right? Put out this false doctrine and put, up, put evil and wickedness and, and mix in things and make people think and believe things. But you know what Jesus is saying? Things are changing today. Things are changing right now. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm here. The kingdom of God is here. The finger of God has worked. That's what he's saying. So your thinking must be corrected that, hey, yes, God is here helping people, freeing people, delivering people, redeeming people. Satan's day has come and Jesus has come. So their thinking has to be 
correct. It's not like how it's been. You've been kind of trying to figure this out. No, here's the truth. Jesus is here. One more thing we see. Um, well, let me put it out again. Your thinking is illogical. Your thinking is inconsistent. Your thinking must be, correct, must be corrected. And the last thing he says in this section, your thinking must factor in Jesus. So verse 21 and 22. Jesus goes on and says, When a strong man fully armed guards his own place, his goods are safe. But when the stronger... Uh, when, when is that right? When one stronger uh, than, when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. So Jesus gives this scenario, this picture now, and he's saying, "Look, a strong man, and you know who he's talking about? Satan, and his armed guards are the demon soldiers, and." And his goods are the demonic possession, possessing people, the false doctrine, the evil works, the wickedness, the, the superstition, I would say, that's out there. It's safe. He's strong. He's putting it out there. He's, you know, he, he's not worried about any of this coming down. But the stronger one is here, Jesus is saying, basically, in this scenario. He, the strong one is here. He has with this demon-possessed man. He can and he will overcome Satan and strip him of the, his weapons and, and all his belongings, that is the people he's held captive in his deception and false truth and superstitions. Jesus is going to free the people from the oppression of Satan. So basically, that's what this story is talking about. Jesus is saying, look, time has come for Satan's oppression to end. God the Son, Jesus, is stronger. Jesus has come back. You know, Jesus is here to take back that territory that, they, that the enemy has taken, the, the, the territory of their souls and their lives, and to redeem them, to save them. This is Jesus. Turn over to Colossians, to the right, to Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. And just to put this in your mind, I mean, we know Jesus died, he conquered sin, he rose again, conquered Satan here. And then in, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. That's Jesus. That's him. So Jesus is saying, look, you know what? Your thinking must factor in me. Put that into your thinking. Get out everything that's illogical, not consistent. Yeah, correct your thinking and seeing who Jesus is, the finger of God. God is here. And then understand that your thinking must factor in Jesus now, that he is here. So it's not some superstitious kind of, well, this, this thing, or Jesus did a special thing. No, it's just God there commanding the demon to come out. I read about um, this hard-hearted atheist. He did not want his daughter to believe in God, so he tried to indoctrinate her by writing down on a piece of paper, God is nowhere, and handed it to his daughter. The little girl who was still learning to read, took the paper and said, God 
is, um, let's see, N-O-W-H-E-R-E. Oh, I got it, Daddy. God is now here. <laughs> it backfired on him. And guess what? I read that just opened the heart up of his father, this atheist, and he ended up giving his life to Jesus later and, be, and being saved. So this is what Jesus is saying to the people caught up in the superstitions and under so much confusion, under fear, under the oppression of, of demons and Satan. God is here. God is here. Jesus is here to help. And he's the stronger one. Jesus is here and, and he can overcome the enemy. I don't know about you, that, that just warms my heart, yeah? That just makes me say, oh, hallelujah, thank you. I mean, sometimes oppression is hard. Sometimes you're, you're pushed down. Sometimes it's like, oh, you can't breathe. But Jesus is saying, no worries. I'm here. I'm here. It's going to be different now. Sometimes our mind can start spinning going, well, maybe it's because of this, or maybe I'm going through this, or maybe this happened. You know, I think it's simply just Satan trying to stop you. Satan trying to deceive you with these thoughts. Satan trying to, to make you give up. Satan trying to just, just bring depression and discouragement upon you. No, just know this. Jesus is here. He's stronger. He's stronger. So, let what we're reading clear up any spiritual misconceptions. Let's go to our third heading, the considerations. And we'll finish up our passage here from verse 23 through 28 here, 28. The considerations, first of all, verse 23. Then Jesus says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So Jesus is going to give some considerations here. Number one is this. Understand the spiritual reality of two kingdoms. This is what he's talking about here. He says, whoever is not with me, like believe that I am the Son of God, that I am God here, then they're really against me. In other words, you're on Satan's side. You're not for God. Whoever does not gather, that in other words, does not help others come into the, into the kingdom of God, then actually scatters. They're not helping God, but they're like Satan who've come to divide and destroy God's kingdom. And that's his whole effort, right? To divide, divide relationship, divide you, divide you from God, divide the church, divide God's work, make it stop. So the spiritual reality is there's only two kingdoms, basically. God's or Satan, that's it. That's it. That's what Jesus is saying. Understand the spiritual reality. There's two kingdoms. That's it. There's only two kingdoms. God or Satan's. Sometimes, you know, um, people will ask me, Oh, Pastor, what do you think about the, the night marchers? <laughs> you know, What do you think about the... The Menahunis, or, or how about like ghosts, you know? The Bake woman and, and down in Andas or around there, yeah? Or, or, or yeah, you know, how about ghosts and things? Or, oh, Safeway, you know, and the, the new Safeway, Melalani, you know, the carts were moving and all these stories coming out, you know, moving by themselves. And what do you think? What, 
what is that? Is God doing something? Is that? You know, I'll tell you, it's most likely, I would say, it's not God. <laughs> it's not God at all. Because what I know, there's only two kingdoms, right? Satan and God. That's it. That's it. And, and I don't think God would go around and scare people with carts just moving on their own, you know, and, and do like ghost kind of things or, or, or little, little, you know, menahunis running or, or something like that. I don't think so. It's not of God. Who is it then? It's Satan. It's demons. That's what I believe. I think if you think about these superstitious kind of things going on, ghosts or, you know, um, uh, hearing voices or seances and things like that, or, the, you know, your dead aunt, you know, coming back and talking to you or whatever, you know, all of that draw you away from God. All of that draws you away from Jesus. And that's his plan. It makes you think of other, other things than, than God, right? I, I, I believe even the, the alien thought and things like that, I believe it's behind it is demonic activity. Because people are pulled into the whole alien thing. It draws them away from God too. So I believe out there, those things are really satanic or demonic things that are going on to draw you away from the Lord. And so all, all this kind of stuff, you, you just got to look at it two ways. Is it of God or is it of Satan? If it's not of God, then it must be of Satan, right? It has to be those two kingdoms. Paul said in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, Satan will even disguise himself as he, I quote, angel of light. He'll even come forth as, ah, you know, God or an angel coming and I have a word for you, that kind of thing, right? Fooling people to think that it's from God and a whole religion started with that, right? What religion was that? With the angel showing up. Mormon, yeah? Crazy. Interesting, right? So the line is drawn in the sand. There's only two kingdoms. So what do you believe in? You know what he's saying too? You can't be neutral here. There's no middle ground on this. It's one or the other. If, you, if, you're, uh, if you're not with me, then you're against me. That's what he's saying. Now, so Jesus gives these considerations to understand the spiritual reality of two kingdoms. And number two, understand the spiritual danger of not choosing Jesus. So verse 24. When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and finding none. Uh, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds the house swept and put in order. Then it goes and brings even bring seven other spirits more evil than itself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So Jesus now gives this scenario. An unclean spirit or demon has been cast out of a person and it goes into the um, uh, waterless places and others in the desert. And he says that because back then in the Jewish thought, they thought demons uh, ran around in the desert basically, in the waterless places. there, So that's why he brings that up. And so they're out there. He was once in, in uh, a, a person 
Um, later he talks about being a house, but basically it's a person, he possessed a person, but he, he can't find rest. He, he, he's restless. He wants someone to enter into. He wants someone to, to uh, possess this demon. So he comes back to the house or the person that he once possessed and finds it's cleaned and it's swept, it's put in order. In other words, this original person has been reformed himself. He's, he's good. He's, he's morally doing well and everything like that. Swept and put in order. So he sees that and he says, hey, look. And so he grabs seven other demons, basically, and they are more evil than even this one. Even they enter into this guy and the last state of that person is worse than the first. So he, this guy then gets possessed and it's more worse than before. Now, what is he talking about? Could be a scenario of a person, maybe it's a true scenario. You know, someone who was, uh, a, a demon was cast out, but then they didn't, morally, they, they, they kind of reformed themselves. They're okay, but then when they came back, oh, hey, you know what? God's not there or nothing. They may be, you know, morally and reformed themselves. So they came back in and things got even worse. Uh, one of the commentaries I was reading today, I thought this was interesting that, and I kind of like this. They said, Jesus speaks of what happens to a nation that has been healed of idolatry, but never really turned its heart totally over to God or, or really Jesus here and this is what happens things get worse and i thought that was really interesting because if you think about uh they're talking about the nation is israel before the babylonian captivity the nation of israel had abandoned god turned to idolatry i mean I, I, idols dotted the land of israel they weren't following god anymore demons we know are behind idols they found a place to live in the land basically but after the Babylonian captivity, the nation was healed of idolatry. They, Israel never went back to uh, worshiping idols. But the nation didn't fully turn their heart to God, but got into religion and a ritual, not a relationship. So it might have reformed itself, got into doing the, 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 the sacrifices, going through the ritual, but the heart really wasn't there. Uh, there was no real relationship. So when Satan and the demons returned and made things even more worse than it was before. So it could be, and you can study this on your own, but it could be Jesus is describing what was happening with the nation at that time. That's why there's so much demonic activity going on, going on possessions and oppression and all this kind of stuff going on. So an interesting thought but either way i think jesus is showing us today that personal reform doesn't last long you know attempt to clean yourself up yeah attempt to oh yeah get get right you know maybe stop the drinking stop the drugs or stop the immorality you know all this stuff and yeah i'm, I'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna be good now but without jesus in your life right without really giving your heart to jesus things can get worse later. It's not enough to be emptied of the evil, but you got to be filled with Jesus, the power of God and the Holy Spirit. It's not enough for reformation. You need regeneration in your life in order to really uh, walk in victory, and that is only with God. 
All right. So Jesus gives these serious uh, considerations, understand the spiritual reality of two kingdoms, understand the spiritual danger of not choosing Jesus, understand the, And then did I skip something? Well, maybe not. Oh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> I don't know why. Okay, never mind. So we're on three, correct? Okay, number three, understand the spiritual importance of the Word of God. And that's what we close out here in these last two verses, verse 27 and 28. So, as he said these things, verse 27, a woman in a crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast at which you nursed. But he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. So you can imagine as Jesus is sharing here, he's teaching and he just gets done with this whole story about the demons coming back and this, this guy and stuff. He just gets done. So uh, then a woman shouts out, Blessed is the womb you know, who, who bore you and, and who nursed you and, and, and all. Basically, blessed is your mother. Your mother is blessed. Now, that saying really comes from a superstition, so to speak, a Jewish one. And that is basically, we know, their custom or their thinking back then, we know in the Old Testament, is that women who had children were specially blessed by God. If you didn't, there was something wrong, right? You didn't have the favor of God. And, and so that's why he's saying, oh, you know, blessed your mom. So it really comes from that. And especially babies that were uh, baby boys, right? If, if your mother, if you birthed a girl, then, oh, you're not that blessed. But if you had a boy, whoo, you're blessed. But she's like saying, oh, you're special. Your mother is specially blessed because, oh, there's something special about you, Jesus, your rabbi, your prophet. You know, I don't know where her belief was, but still, it comes from that superstition, and let me add this. Also, the Jewish superstition or thinking was that men were blessed by God if they came from a good family line. Yeah? If they are good ancestors and you know they came from a certain line and their tribe and everything like that. So Jesus, hearing all of this and under all of this spiritual misconceptions, he clarified and brought this out for their consideration in verse, verse 28. Blessed rather, right, are those who hear the word of God, yeah, who go to listen, who go to study, who want to, to feed on the teaching, and then what? Keep it. That means obey it. So it's not this superstition that, oh, if, you, if, if, you're, if you're a mother with baby boys, you're, you're, you're favored, you're blessed of God, you know, you're, you're, you're lucky there, you know. That kind of thing. Or if for men, if you come from this family line, oh yeah, you're favored of God. You're blessed. You know, oh you, uh, your family line's not that great. But you, oh, you must be blessed. You know, there it was that superstition, that thinking. But Jesus is like, what's more important than any superstition is the Word of God. Is getting into the Word of God and not only that, following it, obeying it. Kent Hughes said in his commentary, this puts the highest blessing of God within reach of us all. I love that. There are only two steps to blessedness, to hear the word of God and obey it. I love that. That's the blessing. Yeah, that's the blessing. 
You know, it, it's not, oh, I was born under what, a bad moon or bad sun. Or, you know, the, all those different things, right? The, understand, it's the truth in the Word of God, knowing it and understanding it, following it, obeying it, and living it out. That's the blessing, and that could be for everybody. It's not, it's not where you were born, yeah. It's 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 not who your parents were, or you come from a rich family or not a rich family. Yeah, that's the blessing. It's it, it's the word of God. It's not about oh, what is it? You're supposed to carry a rabbit's foot like in your pocket, yeah, yeah. That, that was superstition. Rub it, you know, for for good luck or or all kinds of things. Or don't do this, or you have bad luck, right? Um, I was thinking about like that number thirteen. Um, you know, there's. I remember in Israel, I, I never noticed it until there, but there is no floor 13, you know, in the hotels. It skips, yeah, from 12 to 14. And, and you know, there's always talk, you know, about, oh, 13, that's not a good number, bad luck. You know, personally, I thought, well, I'm going the opposite. I like the number 13. <laughs> you know, so they're just thinking like that, right? Um, um, you, you know, well, you know, this is bad luck. Bad luck if you do that. But good luck if you do this. Good luck if you do that. Well, that's what they're saying. Oh, blessed are you because, you, you know, your, your mom had a boy and it's you and all that. No, your mom's lucky. That's another, you know, today's day to say it. But it's not that. The blessing comes from here. The Word of God. So, as we wrap up here, Test all things with the Word of God. This is the truth. Yeah, That's why we study it. That's why we get into it. To understand who God is. What He's about. What His truth is. What, what salvation is about. We study it to, to find out who we are in Christ. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And, and, and what is truth. And what's what, what, what we should do as a Christian now, and you know what's real, what not, things about Satan and God, uh, and demons and angels and all that, about the future, prophecy, revelation on Sunday. We study that so we can understand and not fall into these superstitions and, and follow. And when things happen, we don't understand, we try and grasp at it. You know, we're not like, oh, maybe it's true then. Yeah, maybe it's true. Yeah. No, we, we go back to here and say, and if we know the word, we're going to go, nah, there's probably a demon behind that. You know? Yeah. I'll close with this. When construction of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco began in 1933, there was this old superstition that actually was stopping the work to move on. And um, it, it seemed that uh, for every... Um, or any time a bridge was built, one worker would die for every $1 million spent. Well, the bridge was costing $35 million, so there was fear with the workers that 35 people would die. So they didn't want to work. They, they, they didn't want to be the one. So the chief engineer, Joseph Strauss, ordered a gigantic trapeze net and placed it under where the workers were working on the bridge, and, and that helped them get back into work. So if they did fall off the bridge, you know, in their superstitious thinking, they probably were so scared that they fell because of that. But it would catch them. And with that net underneath, 
The bridge was finished an amazing four years later, a lot quicker than expected. You know what I was thinking? Jesus is like that safety net. He takes our fears away. So whatever superstitions may, and legends or myths that, oh, you know, bring, may bring fear, or I don't know, if, if you ever face a demon or a ghost, or who knows, you might know that Jesus is stronger. Know what the Word says. Know that, ah, you get nothing on me, you know. I have Jesus. I have, I have Jesus. I have the Holy Spirit living in me. You cannot possess me. No way. The Holy Spirit inside. And so that's why Jesus, the Word of God, that's why it's important. And those, Jesus and the Word, will take away any spiritual misconceptions. Let's pray. Lord, uh, we believe in you tonight, God. And we're understanding more and more, God, in the way that the enemy, Satan, works. He wants to deceive. He wants to put forth other religions or superstitions or things that can cloud the truth of you, Lord, that draw people away from Jesus. It's, it's part of his strategy and tactic on this world. But we thank you, God, that you've given us your word to study and understand. We thank you that you speak to us, Holy Spirit, and you help us understand this and, and that we can see what is really real, what is not, what is true, what is false, Lord. We can filter everything through this. And, and God, I, I see these superstitions. Some things we, we laugh at and think it's crazy, but then there's some stuff I think we hold on to. There's some traditional superstitions that maybe have inter, been weaved into our, our lives that need to go. Luck kind of things. Lord, help us to r rid ourselves of those things, but to really grasp the truth totally. And God, we pray for those that are caught up in, in the different religions, Lord, that really totally draw them away from you, God. Uh, even those cultish ones that mix in Jesus and, and false uh, doctrine and really warp things about you and, and, and steal salvation. Lord, we, we, we pray, God, that you take away that deception. And, and even these relig all, all the religions are about what, God, what man does, but only Christianity is about what you have done for us and that we thank you for that God because that's the only way we can have a relationship with you and that's what it's about it's not about religion or ritual but it's about a relationship and we thank you in all of this that you are stronger than the devil and God I pray over every one of us here and everyone connected right now that you would cast out the enemy Lord, from their presence, that you would cast out the enemy, that you build a shield around us, Lord, that we would prote be protected with your hand, Lord, and that at this moment, Lord, anyone in the sound of my ears, God, that they would feel 
Lord, the release by your presence, God, that they would feel, Lord, the, the oppression lifted, God, and that tonight at this moment, Lord, that we would find rest, a peace, Lord, and just a strong sense, Lord, that you are here, Jesus, that you are here, and we know you are here. Oh, Lord, let our thinking, God, be made pure. May you wash away wrong thinking and misconceptions and false thoughts, Lord. And may you replace them with a true view of who you are. Thank you, Jesus. In your name, amen.